Good day and welcome to another one of Ursa's podcasts. With much debate taking place around fiscal sustainability in South Africa, we thought it would make sense to discuss how public finance management is assessed amongst governments in Africa. Joining me today to expand our knowledge on this topic is Dr. Biniam Badasso, a fellow at Ursa. Welcome back, Biniam. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you, Margo, for having me again. <laughs> Great. So, Biniam, you have done much research in political economy and public economics in African countries, your current focus being on public finance management. How important would you say public finance management is for fiscal sustainability, given the structural issues we face in our economy? Yes. Uh, so, fiscal um, um, public finance management is um, it's a core part of state capability because states are um, at their uh, very core, they're expected to uh, mobilize resources to collect taxes and to spend those resources on a public good. So that's the definition, the, the, the most basic definition of a state. Um, and so they, they should be able to uh, collect taxes effectively uh, they should be able to target uh, as, as a wide um, a section of the economy, but they are also expected to spend those resources um, effectively and efficiently and, um, and also address issues of equity. So that's why public finance management um, is, is important. And it's, it's because of that importance, it has now um, grown to become an industry onto itself uh, it's called the pfm industry it's part of international development efforts um, the imf currently spends uh, close to a quarter of its uh, capacity development uh, budget on pfm so that shows you how important this issue is because um and i i think in uh, uh the, towards the end of the last century in the 90s and the 80s, um, you know, development partners have been focused on structural adjustment programs on uh, improving uh, uh, good governance in, uh, and market institutions, but then they realized that as, as long as the, the, the public finance system and the way governments spend and manage their resources is not improved, it's it it will be just adding to a leaky bucket uh, because the more resources you add to the bucket the more goes out of the holes unless you are able to plug those holes uh, and that's done through uh, a more effective uh, public finance management uh, system so it's it's a key aspect of institutional reform in uh, developing countries very interesting so, Benjamin, you mentioned that there was a transition moving away from the structural adjustments addressing good governance to focus rather on a system of better public finance management. And recently, we have been speaking a lot about the issues regarding fiscal sustainability in South Africa, and many people have linked this to poor public finance management. I think these issues face not only you know, South Africans, but many people across Africa or sub-Saharan Africa who also share low domestic savings and backlogs in infrastructure. Why do you think this is the case? Um, well, because um, I, I, th I think the, the 
most basic answer is because public financial management is really complicated. These are the kind of skills um, and capabilities that you develop over um, so many generations. Um, so the, the, the budgets uh, as, as, um, uh, as a system is a, a complex uh, system. The, you know, the, the process of formulating a budget, uh, executing a budget, controlling the process uh, and evaluating your performance um, uh, both financially and physically in terms of project implication. It's a, it's a, it's a really uh, complicated process and it, it gets more complicated as the country is bigger and as the, the system of government becomes more uh, sophisticated when you consider the different tiers of government. So, uh, so that, I mean, it, that's why it's uh, it's an issue, and it's it's linked to fiscal sustainability because um, the, so the, the the amount of resources that you have, the amount of resources the government has at its disposal is always limited. So it's it's about the constraints. So it's governments always need to prioritize um, their objectives. The the, the public services and the public goods that they uh, need to deliver. Uh, so they are always involved in this uh, process of constraint optimization. So they, they work against constraints. And in order for them to attain more efficiency and to make the, the fiscus more sustainable, um, the public financial management part of the process needs to be more streamlined, it needs to be more um, it, it, there needs to be more reform, uh, so they, there needs to be more learning by doing. The ministries of finance should should innovate uh, continuously because the challenges change. Uh, so that it's not even if the the budget system is it's it's established and you know it's um, not a lot seems to change, but the the challenges change, and so you, you need to tweak things mm -hmm. and you need to respond to different. Um, challenge, including you know, corruption. Corruption is it's a challenge that faces a number of countries, including South Africa. And one way of um, you know tightening the uh, uh, the, the you know the loopholes and the, uh, uh, the areas that corruption can happen uh, uh, is through PFM reform. Uh, so it's before you. Do investigation before you do the um, uh, in a way um, before corruption happens pfm you can use the pfm system to to close loopholes uh, and to uh, um, to prevent corruption so um, so I, I think that's uh, uh, in the minds of many South Africans corruption is an issue that's in the minds of many uh, other African uh, uh, citizens uh, and you know that's how PFM can help um, in, uh, um, in preventing corruption and, and also in um, uh, attaining uh, fiscal sustainability. Yes, I like that you speak about the importance of the responsiveness and especially doing it in a nuanced way because I guess each country has a unique set of circumstances and the speed at which, you know, such a big organization can respond, I think will have big differences in, you know, how, 
how the public finances are handled. And one organization that encourages the development of public finance management is Cabri. Could you tell us a little bit more about this organization? Yes, so Cabri is the Collaborative Africa Budget Reform Initiative. Um, and it's been in existence uh, since um, the mid 2000s. And it was started as uh, a network of um, uh, budget offices uh, uh, among a few African countries. And it was started as part of the national treasury of South Africa because those countries were um, trying to get uh, some support to, 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 to have some pure exchange opportunities uh, with the South African national treasury. And then, and then from there on, it grew uh, to become an uh, intergovernmental organization. Uh, so it's now a network of uh, 16 African countries as member states, and the, the, the organization also works with uh, many more African countries as uh, associate uh, countries. Uh, so so the, the objective is to facilitate peer exchange because, like I said, um, you know, public financial management requires continuous innovation, uh, continuous tweaking, and some of the not some, but many of the challenges that are faced by countries are um, uh, similar. Uh, so countries can benefit a lot from learning from each other's experience. Um, and that kind of opportunity is not available in many international organizations. Most of what uh, international organizations provide is technical assistance. So it's um, sending consultants or send, sending technical advisors to work with countries, uh, but not necessarily facilitating peer exchange. So Cabri was um, initiated to fill that gap, uh, but now it's gone beyond um, providing that platform of peer exchange um, uh, to include more substantive work in, in knowledge generation um, in providing uh, more demand-driven support to member countries uh, in the area of public financial management and also uh, even beyond in, in the broader public finance domain. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's very good. And I think, yeah, I think especially after this COVID, you know, the, we've realized the importance of, of networks and I think, you know, <laughs> hopefully all our technology can assist and make sure it's really as supportive as it can be. I think, you know, when I was looking at the research, I came across the Public Expenditure and Financial Accountability Program. I think it's, is it called PIFA? And that was initiated in 2001 by seven international development partners, including the European Commission, the IMF and the World Bank who agreed on a methodology for assessing public management finance. How does Cabri's um, PFM capabilities assessment work? And how much overlap is there between Cabri's way of assessing this and PIFA? Yeah, so the PIFA is the most widely used um, assessment in a, in a field of PFM. So it covers, like you said, it's, uh, it, it's it's been um, uh, there for uh, since two thousand and one, uh, and it's it's a very wide 
um, reach across the world uh, and uh, countries are often assessed uh, every three to five years. Um, so it's, it's very comprehensive and it's also highly consequential because uh, a lot of international development partners use the, the PIFA assessment scores uh, for the purpose of resource allocation and to hold countries accountable and, and, and uh, to determine uh, development assistance. Um, but what we noticed uh, when we designed our assessment uh, was that the, the PIFA uh, focuses more on outcomes uh, than on underlying capabilities. Uh, so there's, uh, you can you can tell that there is some assumption of best practices behind the framework. So countries are often assessed against a certain um, explicit or implicit best practice, and they're given uh, letter scores of A, B, C, or D. Um, uh, so that might sometimes provide perverse incentives for countries to look you know, more effective in form but not in function so just to tick boxes that so that they can score high on the PIFA assessment but not really uh, improve the functionality of their PFM system and or uh, improve their capabilities they may sometimes use technical assistance consultants to uh, to tick those boxes without uh, building the capabilities that they require for long-term performance. So that's the angle uh, we approached it. Uh, so to identify areas in which the countries need to build underlying capabilities in terms of personnel, in terms of systems, in terms of coordination, so some of the soft capabilities that are not necessarily captured by the PFAS assessment. Um, uh, but are important. Uh, and we determined that based, based on our experience that coverage work uh, with member countries uh, and, and things that member countries, uh, officials, senior budget uh, and finance officials identify to be critical uh, for the functioning of the PFM system. Uh, and it's also um, uh, demand-driven. So it's the, the issues to be assessed are not predefined. Uh, we, and then the, the, the assessment uh, requires the member states or the country to be assessed uh, to identify their priorities, areas that they uh, believe more evidence is needed um, uh, in uh, and things that they would like to explore further to understand further in terms of their own capability. So I think that's the unique aspect of it. Um, so it, it makes it more relevant uh, once the assessment is done because it addresses immediate gaps and immediate priorities for the um, public finance officials in those countries. Okay, that's really great. So tell me, what are some of the country-specific PFM functions and capabilities that have been identified by CABRI? And how different is it across the different member states? And if possible, could you give us some examples of these? Um, yeah, so we usually follow uh, an, a generic framework, the overarching framework that we use to identify different functionalities um, 
is to categorize the uh, the PFM functions into four. So it starts from the formulation, formulating a credible budget, and that involves the you know institutions like the Ministry of Finance, uh, but also includes the legislature uh, because they are involved in uh, uh, vetting the budget and uh, and passing the budget. Uh, and then uh, it, it it's about the uh, um, the execution of the budget, uh, how the budget is executed um, from the, the and, and resources are dispersed from the Ministry of Finance. Uh, so those are key capabilities and there are I, I think underlying capabilities that need to be built within the Ministry of Finance. Um, the uh, the and then when you go to the level of the you know the departments, the sector ministries that uh, actually execute the budget, they need they also need their own capabilities of um, you know procurement, uh, uh, internal control. So there are capabilities that need to be built within uh, what we call ministries, departments, and agencies. So those organizations that uh, receive the budget and deliver the public services. There's also external uh, accountability that is usually enforced by uh, the Auditor General or by Supreme Audit Institutions, uh, depending on the context. So there are, uh, uh, and then this occurs across the budget cycle from the planning and formulation all the way to um, control, uh, external control and evaluation. And countries need to build capabilities at each stage. And, and so the, the type, the, you know, the, the level of capability and the sophistication of capability that's required depends on the, the type of function. So some, uh, many countries may have um, the basic uh, capabilities for internal control or for basic um, external audits, but not a lot of countries may have the capabilities for um, to formulate credible budgets for um, if effective forecasting of revenues. They may not have the, the, the data capabilities to, to assess their economies um, and to come up with a credible revenue uh, forecast at the beginning of the, the the budget cycle because that determines you know the amount of money you promise to ministries departments and agencies and if you are not able to deliver uh, on that promise if you are not able to collect the revenues that you you forecast at the beginning of the uh, the year you may need to go to borrowing and that increases your date so it's, it's so, so some of the analytical capabilities um, uh, that are centralized in ministries of finance and sometimes in uh, central banks and revenue authorities um, might be lacking in some of the, uh, in, you know, the, the, the low income countries. So when you compare a country like South Africa, which, uh, is, which is deemed to have robust public finance management capabilities and which ranks high on the open budget index, um, the international index for uh, budget transparency and accountability. Um, when you compare that, that kind of country, like a country like South Africa to a, a, a low-income post-conflict country um, uh, in Africa, you see the difference between the, the type of capabilities these ministries, uh, these countries uh, have. 
Uh, and some of the things that you take for granted in a country like South Africa, uh, some of the very rudimentary capabilities of internal control um, uh, and, uh, and reporting might not be available in uh, countries, in post-conflict, uh, low-income countries. So it's, there is uh, 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 a lot of heterogeneity, a lot of uh, mm. disparity in terms of capabilities um, between different countries. Okay, so if we were to say look at something like you know South Africa being a you know better at reporting than one of these low-income countries, if we've identified this issue in one of the low-income countries, we realise that this reform needs to take place and something needs to be done to you know essentially help and support and create an environment where these reforms can take place. How what can we do to create this environment and how do you think this could be done in a sustainable manner? Yeah, so that's the that's the hard part. So assessing capabilities, identifying the key gaps um, based on the uh, data collected from the field and responses from officials might not be uh, rocket science. It it it, it can be uh, achieved, but um, uh, instilling those lessons in uh, to the bureaucracy and institutionalizing what needs to be done is not always easy because it um, it's not always technical it's, it's solution is not always technical it requires something it often requires something beyond the technical capabilities of the Ministry of Finance it may require capabilities being uh, built in a number of institutions from uh, the legislature all the way down to um, the subnational governments, and uh, you may you need to have the political will and the the political incentives need to be right for that uh, to happen. Uh, because you know, even if uh, a policy solution is seems obvious uh, and seems um, Pareto optimal for the uh, for the analyst it might not always be the case from the point of view of the politician who needs to endorse that. And the uh, PFM inherently is, is it's a political process, it's a political uh, undertaking because it's, it's about resource allocation uh, and it's about public um, uh, resources. Uh, so so I, I, I believe, I mean, we, we can throw up our hands uh, and you know uh, uh, and excuse ourselves we, uh, for the lack of political will there are things that can be done without you know requiring the political endorsement or the, the involvement of politicians there are mm. low-hanging fruits uh, technical fixes that can be um, managed within the Ministry of Finance and in uh, some of the, the low-income and post-conflict countries with weak PFM systems, you don't necessarily need the, uh, the politicians to be involved and you can improve a number of things with just technical fixes, with just with some um, technological solutions and or with some uh, uh, new um, uh, procedures or with uh, a new procurement law or with training of uh, the staff. Uh, public finance officials. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think the most 
um, the, the wisest thing is to start with the, the lowest hanging fruits and then to move up the ladder uh, and to try and push the boundary um, until the, the political incentives um, allow. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's how countries should go about it. Yeah, and like you said, having that iterative approach with the being able to adapt and learn and more in doing than talking of doing. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's one important aspect of the, this assessment because it's linked to uh, um, more operational exercise uh, uh, and with with country uh, teams, with country officials. So it, it informs uh, uh, work that's done by a team of officials from the ministries of finance of the countries that are being assessed. It fits into their experimental and iterative um, effort to improve specific functionalities uh, in the PFM system. Uh, and the most the important thing is to, to have that framework of uh, learning by doing. Uh, because this, even in the most developed countries, these things have evolved over centuries and there has been a lot of learning by doing that has that had, had gone into these um, institutions. Uh, and we need to allow um, countries with weak institutions that space to learn um, and adapt uh, to uh, different situations. Um, and the, the, the evidence needs to be there, needs to be there. The evidence uh, needs to be documented. And that's what we are trying to do using this. Okay, gosh, that sounds really, really great. Thank you, Benjamin. Is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners? Well, um, I mean, public finance uh, is is important. It affects ev you know every citizen's welfare uh, because it's about public resources. It's about um, how effectively and efficiently uh, um, services are uh, delivered. Um, yeah, so that's that's important. I can't um, uh, emphasize enough the the importance of you know improving. Uh, and innovating in the in that space of uh, public finance management, uh, you know, the, some of the things might seem arcane, too technical for the um, for the average citizen, but I think um, uh, countries need to encourage citizens' involvement, whether it's in the form of releasing citizens' budget, whether it's in the form of you know, uh, uh, Having civil society uh, more involved in in the budget process from the formulation to uh, accountability, uh, I think that's that's a, that's really important in terms of um, holding officials to account and improving uh, the public finance system. Yes, and I think, like you mentioned, documenting documenting the progress along the way is, I think, really valuable in that regard. So yes, yeah, it is. Great, thank you very much for your time, Vinium. Um, as always, it's an absolute pleasure having you with us and yeah, having this opportunity to learn more from you. Thank you also to the listeners and remember for more of our updates on the podcast series or any of Ursa's events, please see our website and social media platforms. This is your host, Margot G from the Ursa podcast series. Till next time.